This morning, as our word of encouragement from the Lord, I'd like to turn to the book of Romans. Now, I know that doesn't always come to go together, but Romans is a really good book. It's a book full of encouragement. And we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8 and verses 28 to 39. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39. We're at the end of 2012 and some of us sitting here might have gone through great joys. We might have gone through great encouragement this year. We might have achieved great achievements of some kind. If you're learning to drive a car, teenagers, uh, you might have got your license or you're restricted and your parents are now living in fear as well as all the other motorists. That's a great achievement for those of us. I remember the days. You might have sensed this or might have gone through this year tragedy of some kind. You might have been struggling with employment. You might even have lost your job. Your finances might be down the drain. You might have gone through personal struggles of some kind this year. You might even have gone through spiritual struggles. You might have learned hard spiritual lessons this year as an individual. As a church, WebSee, we've experienced the joys of new lives added to us through little babies born. We've experienced answered prayer recently too, even with Waka. We've experienced new converts here. We've seen new members coming and being added to our body here. As a church, we've also experienced challenges, painful challenges. Some of it's still ongoing. We've experienced sickness among us. We've experienced death among us. We've experienced spiritual testing as a church. That's been 2012. And the reality is that all of us struggle with doubt. All of us struggle and wrestle with issues and at times we feel the weight of uncertainty on us. And I don't know if you want to be honest with yourself, one of those uncertainties might be this. Does everything that happens to me happen under God's control? If you're honest with yourself, have you ever asked that question? When the pawpaws hit the fan, to use a good African expression, have you sometimes been tempted to think, I wonder if this is really under God's control? Maybe just this once God has slipped up, even just a little, and he didn't know this was going to happen. And then another question you might ask when everything around you is caving in, how do all of these puzzle pieces of my life fit into a good picture for me? How does that happen? I don't understand, Lord. And then leading from that, so if this is all happening to me, how can I remain joyful when life is hard? And some of you have gone through hard times this year. How do I remain joyful as a believer through hard times? Well, this is where this reading this morning comes in. And so listen to God's word and may it soak into your soul this morning. I'm going to be reading from an, an expanded version of scripture, so it might differ slightly from what you're reading there, but it will all add up to the same picture. It just takes the original expressions in the Greek and it expands it into its real meaning. But listen to this. Beautiful. Verse 28 of Romans chapter 8. And we know with an absolute knowledge that for those who are loving God, 
all things are working together, resulting in good. For those who are divinely su- the, the, the divinely summoned ones, according to his purpose. He also marked out beforehand as those who were to be conformed to the derived image of his Son, with the result that he, that Christ is firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, those whom he thus marked out beforehand, these he also summoned. I love that. He summoned me to himself. He also justified those. Moreover, those whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? In view of the fact that God is on our behalf, who could be against us? Indeed, he who, did, who his own son did not spare, but on behalf of us all also delivered him up, how is it possible that he should not with him in grace give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's chosen out ones? God, the one who justifies, will he do it? Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, the one who died, yes, rather, who has been raised, who is on the right hand of God, who also is constantly interceding on our behalf, will he bring a charge? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Will these things separate us? Even as it stands written, for your sake we are being put to death all the day long. We were counted as sheep destined for slaughter. But in these things, all of them, we are coming off constantly with more than the victory through the one who loved us. For I have come through a process of persuasion to the settled conclusion that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things about to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We might as well close our Bibles and go home. Isn't that a great word of encouragement to the, from the Lord? God has done it all. In the past tense, it is all done. And we have a future hope. And so this morning I want to bring you six reasons to rejoice as we come to the end of this year. It doesn't matter how hard the year has been. It doesn't matter what you think may lie ahead in 2013. Here are six reasons that you can learn and take to heart. Reasons to rejoice in the Lord. First one is this, verse 28. Look in your text, please. All things are working together for our good. All things are working together for our good. If you've got a NASB a New American Standard Bible, it will say this, and we know that, we know that God has caused all things. I love that because that's the full sense here, you see. We definitely know that God has caused all things to work together and then the verse carries on. We know with certainty, 
with an absolute knowledge and a certainty. How do we know that? Because God has caused it to happen. So who's God? Well, God is the all-powerful one. God is the one who created everything. He is one who is above all. Who can withstand God? Who can stand above God? He is the God of all gods. This is the one who has caused all things to work together for good. God has caused it. He has caused all things. And again, we come to that little word which is so inclusive. That word, all things. And so, yes, it means everything that has happened to you this year God has caused all things to work together for good. Whether those things are negative or positive, God has caused them to work together for your good. So, we don't believe in coincidence. We don't believe in chance. We don't believe in zodiac luck. Whatever your stars might say. We don't believe in fate. All things are controlled by God. No exceptions. You see, if it is chance that determines whether tomorrow you and I live or die, little wonder that many people find life so depressing. If it's just chance, the roll of a dice. All things are working together for good, resulting in good, says that verse. It may not look like it at the time. When you're lying in a hospital with a cast on your leg and this arm in traction, it may not look that all things are working together for your good. But believe God, they are. You see, our life is sometimes like the back of a carpet. You remember those old carpets you used to get? You turn it around and you think there's a big accident that has happened. There's just strings all over. Those of you into carpet weaving, there are multicolored strings all over the place. But when you turn that carpet around, it is a beautiful tapestry if you've done your work well. You see, sometimes in our lives, we can go through things and you wonder, how is this? To my good. Come on. Those of you who have baked a cake before, if you take all those ingredients, if you test each one on their own, sometimes you're going to be in for a bit of a shock. You take a whole tablespoon of salt and put that in your mouth and see what happens. You take a raw egg, and I know some of you might, but you take a raw egg and just stick it in the mouth and see what that's like. You see, those ingredients on their own aren't good on their own, but put them together with a recipe, fluff them up, put them in the oven, and you have a beautiful cake. Now, life is like that. Sometimes we've got to go through things that happen to us. God will work them together for good, and on their own, it might not seem like. So, let's not go down this modern idea that if something is good for us, then it must be pleasant. Sometimes God takes us through very, very unpleasant circumstances, but He is still doing good through them. He brings anxieties across our way. He brings struggles. And yes, sometimes He does decrease our bank balance so that we will hold on to Him. He is doing it for our good. He uses these things as tools for His purposes. We read about that in James when Dave was preaching through the book of James. Our verse is in verse 28, he brings good to all those who are the called or those who are loving God, depending on which version you have. You see, there's a prerequisite here. God doesn't do good to all, as some might think. 
And when things go wrong, you often hear non-Christians saying, how could a good God allow this? Well, he doesn't have to do good to everyone. He promises good to his own. He promises good to those who love him, those who are the called, the New King James says. See, that's important to realise. You have to be a true Christian if this description here applies to you. God doesn't promise this to the wicked, even though sometimes when you look at them, it seems like the wicked are really well off and things are going really well. But in the end, we know, Scripture has said, their end will not be good, but it will be the judgment of God. We read that in the book of Revelation. So, this morning, if you're a Christian, God is writing the script of your life. He is writing it. You are not a robot. You are an active participant in the good God is doing in and through your life. Philippians promises us that. It says, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That is, we are to work with the Lord as He works in and through us. We are active participants. We are active in our obedience. We are active in our hope on the Lord, in holding on to Him. We are not robots, but God is the one who has written the script of our life. He is helping us through with what He has for us. And you know what? I love this. He doesn't just consult His plan every thousand years or so. He's actively working it out in your life. Every day, every hour of the day, God is at work in you. You know, when things are going hard, we really need to believe these truths. We need to tell our soul the greatness of the Lord. Because when we look around at our circumstances, we'll tend to doubt. Because that's what we do. The second reason that we are to rejoice in the Lord is this one, verse 29 to 30. What does it say? It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, I need to put you in the picture here. There is no way we can cover everything that this verse is all about. People spend years. Peter Somerville spent, how many? Six years on the book of Romans. I've got one session here. This is the second promise that we see in this verse, in these verses. God will certainly bring us to glory. God will certainly bring us to glory. So why do we love God? Scripture says, because He first loved us. How did He first love us? Here it is in this verse. God foreknew us. That word knew is the word know, which speaks about the marriage relationship, the intimate marriage relationship, the way a husband and wife know each other. But more than that, because God knows the spiritual side of us too, you see. God foreknew us. He knew us before we were even around, before we were even planned. He knew us before the world was even created. How does that work? I don't know. But God does. He foreknew us. This all-powerful, this all-knowing Creator God, He knew us intimately even before we existed. Think about that. And not just that, he loved us way back then, even before we existed. And he purposed way back, even before we existed, he purposed that he would put his love for us into action. 
How would he do that? The verse in Romans says it, that verse we're looking at. God predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son. That word predestined, God had his plan for us. He chose us and then he put that love into action by starting to conform us, to change us to the image of his Son. How did he do that? He put his plan of salvation into action way before time. You see, God knew that all mankind right throughout time, from when man was created right through until Jesus comes again, all man through time would reject him. God knew that he was going to have to send Jesus Christ, his son, to this earth as a human being, what we looked at last week, to be rejected, despised, and eventually killed by his own creation. God knew that before time. God knew that he would raise Jesus Christ up from the dead and make a way back to himself for all mankind through his son. God knew that he would have to form, he would have to shape, nurture and change every single one of his creations who come to him in faith. He would have to carry on working with them from that moment of rebirth to change them into the image of his son, into Jesus' sinless nature. And if you're a Christian here today, God is doing that in you. And he knew that way before time. He knew you were going to be, you would be a hard-hearted person. And you would continually fall away from him. He knew that. And he sent his son. He knew all this before time. And he purposed to do all this even before he had created the world way before any of us were born. How does that work? I don't know. But God does. And will God bring all this about? What is our promise? God will certainly bring us to glory. Will God bring this about? What does history tell us? The history of mankind, right from Adam, right till this present day. What does it tell us? God was active in his creation in mankind, right through the history of mankind, through his people Israel, through the New Testament times, Jesus Christ came. God sent his only son as a gift to this earth. So why will he stop now? Think of your life. What has God done in your life up to now, in your BC time, your before Christ time? What did Christ do in your life? There came a day when he led you through circumstances, God led you to a place where you heard the word for the first time. And that word found seed in you and the Holy Spirit grew that seed. You see, this was God at work. It was God working out his eternal plan of salvation. And he brought it about and you are here today. You are hearing his word and you are still in the process of growth. You see, God is still at work. So will he stop now? No. He's going to carry on with his plan of salvation. There are things coming tomorrow, the day after, next year, till Jesus Christ comes again and into eternity, God will carry his plan of salvation through. He will ensure that he will bring us to glory. Do you take courage from that? Do you take strength from that? I sure do. So who is going to withstand God? This omniscient God we were speaking about. This all-powerful God. Who is going to tell God, no, you can't do that? Your circumstances? Are your circumstances going to stop God from bringing you to glory? Is your sickness, whatever that might be, however serious it might be, is that going to stop God from bringing you to glory? 
Your negative bank balance that always seems to stay negative, is that going to stop God from bringing you to glory? Those non-Christian family members who keep deriding you for being a Christian, are they going to stop God's plan to bring you to glory? You see, what God has purposed before all time, He will complete. He has promised to do so, He has purposed to do so, and now He will continue to do so. He has purposed to love you, He purposed to die for you, He purposed to continually change you and make you to be like His Son in every single aspect of your life. And there is hope for you and I, because I know my life sometimes. He has purposed to change me, He will take you and I to be with Him in glory one day and we will be with Him forever. He will certainly bring you and I to glory. He has purpose to do so and He is God. Note the past tense in verse 30. Those whom He predestined, done. Those whom He called, done. Those whom He called, He justified, it is done. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. It is done. Have you ever thought of this? In the sight of God, as you sit here today, you are already glorified in your position before him. Now your body and the rest of you is just catching up to that. But you are already glorified in him. That blows my mind. He has already done it. And that is why there's hope for us, you see. Whatever happens in this earth, whatever happens to you, whatever sickness you might go through, God will take you to glory. He will take you to be with Him. Do you take courage from that? You see, God has a 100% success rate at bringing us to glory. Now, here's the warning, and teenagers, I want you to listen up, and anyone here that doesn't know the Lord yet, If you do not know the Lord yet, here's a warning from Scripture, from this truth as well, that if you do not know the Lord, His success rate with you will be 100% as well. If you do not bow the knee to Him, you will not arrive in heaven one day. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. You must come through faith in Jesus Christ. And then He will Bring you to glory. There's a warning. Thirdly, God is for us. I love that phrase, verse 31. Look at what it says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I want you to say with me. God is for me. Say it with me, please. God is for me. Have you ever thought about that? God is for me. That word for is an intentional word. God puts his eyes on me and through past history, he purposes to be for me. He will bring me through this earth, this time I live on this earth. He will take me to be with him one day in glory. God is for me. Who is God again, remember? The omniscient, the all-powerful one. So who's Satan then? Is Satan going to work all things after his own will? No, he can't do that. You see, if we look at the example of Job in the Old Testament, Satan needed God's permission to do what he did. It was all under God's control. Satan reacts to what God is already doing. Satan is in the defensive, 
Satan is a defeated foe. So you don't have to be afraid of him. But you must respect what he can do. But we serve an almighty God. He is all-powerful. And he is for you and I. Nothing can turn God from his purpose. He is for you and I. So are you suffering today? Is your body giving up on you? God knows. He is for you and he will not allow you to suffer more than you can bear or one single second longer than what he has planned for you. He is for you. Are you doubting your walk before him this year? God knows. He is for you. He has promised to reveal himself to you in full assurance. If you will only continue to search for him, you will find him because he will find you. Maybe you're soul sick and you're overwhelmingly tired this year. I don't know where you're at. You see, God does. He is for you, says this promise. And if you come to him, he will give you rest. He will give you a yoke that is easy to bear, says Matthew chapter 11. Because he will bear it with you and in you. God is for you. Remember that when you go through hard times. So God works all things together for good. What's the second one? What's the second one? The second promise. What is it? I've forgotten. Here we go. Back again. God will certainly bring us to glory, won't he? He will bring us to glory. The third promise, God is for us. Fourth promise, God will not hold anything good back from you and I. Verse 32. Look at what it says. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, God is a good God. And we need to remember this when we're going through hard times. He is our Abba Father. He is our loving Father who provides for us. Will He hold anything good back from us? Why would He? What has He already given to you? He has given you His only begotten Son. That great price that God paid for you. His greatest gift. Why would He then withhold lesser gifts from you? Why would He withhold His grace from you? Why will he withhold his courage for you when you're going through difficult times? Why will he withhold his strength for you when you're going through your daily life? And ultimately, why would he withhold heaven from you? No, he won't do that, you see. He freely gives us all things. Literally, he freely and continuously and overwhelmingly gives us all things. Are you taking courage in that? God freely gives you all things and it doesn't stop. He will not withhold anything good from us. Fifthly, I love this one. We are uncondemned. We are uncondemned. Verse 33 to 34. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who shall bring any charge against us, you see? I love that. Who shall bring us? Charge. One single charge against God's elect. God's chosen out ones. You see, if God has chosen to do this great work in us, then who can tell God not to or force God to stop? The God of grace has been the judge and he has declared you and I guiltless before him if we are his children. 
He, the great judge, has said, you are not guilty because of what my son has done and you have faith in him. We have been declared guiltless in and through Jesus Christ. So who is now going to condemn us? You see, we need to not listen to Satan's discouraging lies and Satan's accusations and those doubts that he brings across us. And those people who would seek to drag us down and to bring ungrounded accusations against us. God has said to you and I, you are not condemned any longer. You are free in me. Don't listen to these lies. And so when sin, when we sin, not if you sin, when we sin, don't believe Satan's lie which says that your sin is too great for God. Don't believe his lie which says your sins are too many for God to forgive. Don't believe his lie which says that you sin too often for God to forgive you. God's grace is much greater than our ability to sin. As long as we remain in abhorrence of our sin before the Lord, as long as we remain holding on to our God and repentant before Him every time we sin, God will forgive us our sin when we come to Him. His His grace is far greater than my sin. His willingness to forgive me far supersedes my ability to even sin. Have you thought about that? I am no longer condemned. Stuart Townend wrote it like this in the song we're going to sing at the end. I stand in Christ. And that doesn't mean like a wimpy stand. I stand in Christ. It's a solid, assured stand. I stand in Christ with sins forgiven. And Christ is in me The hope of heaven. You see, who can condemn me? Christ has done it in me already. And then lastly this morning, verses 35 to 39. Look at these verses. How greatly God loves His people. Look how great God loves His people. It's kind of a summary of all the other reasons we've had up to now. That verse says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Christ's love is a divine love. And therefore, it's an unconquerable love. Have you ever thought about that? No one can conquer Christ's love. He is divine. The Apostle Paul then lists these outer limits of things which could possibly try to separate us from the love of Christ. Tribulation. Can that separate us from the love of Christ? Hardship. Will that ever separate us from the love of Christ? Distress. Persecution. Famine, poverty, yes, even to the extent of humiliation when you are stark naked in front of people. Will that separate you from the love of Christ? Danger, the sword. And the Apostle Paul concludes, nothing exists which is stronger than Christ's love for his own. And that is you and me too. And so if you're starting this new year, 2013, and there's no job for you yet, can that separate you from the love of Christ? If you're starting this next year and you don't have your spouse with you anymore, can that separate you from the love of Christ? If you're starting this year with sickness and you're in and out of hospital, or with uncertainties of moving and setting up home in a new town, or facing family who hate your stand for Christ, 
or colleagues or fellow students when you go back to school who shun you or belittle you for your love of Christ, will that ever separate you from the love of Christ for you? You see, here's the encouragement from God's Word this morning. Don't give in and think that you are overcome. Nothing can separate you from Christ's love for you. Nothing. And every time you go through a difficulty, it's just another stepping stone to being made more like Jesus Christ. Think of it in that way. Every time you go through a difficult situation, when you come through that, it is just another stepping stone to be made more like Jesus Christ and to seeing heaven one day. And God will be there for you and with you and He's promised His Spirit who is already with you and He will take you through every circumstance. What can come against God? Anything that He's created? No. And so we need to garrison our souls as people used to plant Soldiers around the city, we need to garrison our souls with truth. I am forgiven. God loves me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. You see, there are those six reasons to rejoice. All things are working together for your good. Second one, God will bring you to glory. Third one, God is for you. Fourth reason. God will not hold anything good back from who? From you. Fifth reason, you are no longer condemned. And sixth reason, how great is God's love for you? So it's all about you, right? No, actually not. It's all about Him. I'm going to rephrase those promises. It's all about Him, you see. It's all about Jesus. He works all things together for good. He brings you to glory. He is God who is for you. He does not hold anything good from you. He has ensured that you are no longer condemned and His love is great towards you. You see, it's about Jesus and His glory. And in that process, you are carried through this life and you go to be with Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in John chapter 17 verse 10. Listen to these very short phrases. He's speaking to his father. All mine are yours. Think about that. All mine, Jesus says, are yours, father. And yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. That's you and I. So when we live lives of obedience before the Lord, we live lives which are all about Jesus Christ. And the world will see and know that Jesus lives. And so we are to rejoice in Jesus Christ. And when we rejoice in Jesus Christ, believe me, you will not just have six reasons to rejoice, you will have all the reasons to rejoice. Because you rejoice in Christ. As we face the end of this year, and we think of everything that's happened to us, as we look to what God has for us, for this coming year, however long that might be, may it be to God's glory, because God will then bring about His promises to us. It has already been decided. He is already bringing it to fruition in your life. Take courage from that. 
as we face this year to come. Let's pray. Lord our God, sometimes when we go through experiences in our lives which seem to be gigantic waves crashing in on us, then we need to be telling our souls these truths that you are God and that you love us with an everlasting love and that you have promised that you are our hope that you will never leave us or forsake us, but that you will take us to be with you forever. And when you do that, we will be like your son. And so it doesn't matter what happens to us, whether we close our eyes in death, and if we do, we open them and we look into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. And Lord, if you spare us till you come again to this earth, then you will take us to be with you, together with all the saints, and we will be with you forever. And you will do all this because you have purposed to do so. Lord, what a great God we serve. And so, Lord, as we face another year, Lord, may it be a year that we use to your glory. May it be a year that we use to live such lives that the world will look at our lives and they will see Jesus Christ shining through. May we live lives of hope before the Lord. May we live lives holding on to you only, our Lord and Saviour. May we live lives that get our strength from your Spirit and our wisdom from your Spirit and our ability to bring the Gospel message to those around us through the words that your Spirit gives us. May we live Spirit and God-dependent lives so that you will be glorified in the end. It's about you, Lord. Use us, we pray, for your glory in this year to come. Amen.